0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Because I, I, I pulled this one on her. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want To them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may seek good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it and pursue it for a little while Night, I want to talk to us along this subject matter and it's going to be a journey all right we're going to come in the back door probably but I want to talk to us tonight about the fear of the Lord and this is not necessarily a, 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 a continuous practice of mine but if I were to have any type of sub, subheading to this it would be this this evening and And it would be, learn from other people's mistakes. Learn from other people's mistakes. Amen. Let's pray tonight. God, I love you, Jesus, this evening. God, I appreciate, God, who and what, Lord Jesus, you are and what you mean to me. I pray, oh God, anoint my mind and my lips and help me, Lord, to speak this, Lord, in a very understandable way and manner that we can learn from the Word of God as we put it together, piece it together, chapter with chapter, book to book. Lord Jesus, I pray tonight, grant us understanding in this place. Lord, in your people, Lord, understanding God that we'll, Lord Jesus, just learn and understand from your Word and apply it, God, to our lives, Lord, where it's applicable. God, we'll thank you and praise you for it. the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Thereby say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Amen, and it's back here on my shoulders and I understand that we are in school now and usually I try to the best of my ability, amen, to get out of here no later, no later, and perhaps earlier, but no later uh, than 8.30 and being conscious of, of our children and those that are in school. In order here this evening, Psalms 34, in order to uh, grasp a better understanding of Psalm 34, I believe it may be a, l- a little important for us to to consider the information in the heading before the psalm. Now, uh, we've looked at things like this before, but the headings before the psalms, some call them editorial titles, other people call them superscripts, what have you, but they are not a part of the original and inspired psalm, so to speak. They are very ancient, yes, and they are very significant, Yes, but they are not necessarily the inspired uh, or original part, if you will, of the Word of God. And it's within these, these content headings in the Psalms that they cover different categories in those headings. Sometimes you will find the author's name in the heading of the Psalm. You'll find out what type of Psalm it may be, musical terms are even used, and instruments are relayed to us in the psalm because many of the psalms were just that, some type of musical lyrics, even still lyrics that we use today in some of the songs that we sing. And there are ceremonial notations that are in the headings, and sometimes you'll see a little brief historical notations or background that's given in the headings. And so the heading of Psalm 34 contains really the author's name, and some brief historical notations concerning this psalm. In my Bible, and you may not have these listed in your Bible, not every Bible does, but the heading of Psalms 34 in my Bible says, a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. I learned from this heading then that this psalm of David is meaning to me that this was authored, this psalm was authored by David. And for the most part, most of the psalms are authored by David, but there are some that the sons of Korah have authorship too, and other people. But for the most part, the psalms are authored by David. But this plainly tells us that the psalm was a psalm of David or authored by David. And then the rest that it gives to us is nothing more, no more but some historical context, some historical happenings which this psalm was born out of. It's what was taken place in David's own personal life that gave birth to this psalm because a lot of the psalms are that. It is, it is, it is uh, David's meanderings of his mind uh, that he went through or ponderings and meditations of his heart that he had while he was going through his everyday life circumstances. And so it was during the time that David had changed his behavior before Abimelech that drove him away and he departed that this psalm was birthed from those scenarios and those circumstances. And so since that's the, the, the case I want to go back then to the Old Testament and I want to read about what was going on then in David's life at this time that gave birth to such a psalm as this that we're studying this evening. And so with that being the case, I go back to 1 Samuel chapter 21 and, and starting with verse number 10, Amen. Uh, you, you have to bear with me in the next few weeks I do Bible study from 8 From 9 to 10 with an individual In the mornings on Wednesday mornings And so this is going to be my second hit every Wednesday Amen So uh, I'll try not to just dip over Into something I did in the morning uh, Here in the evening and make this extra loan Amen for all of you uh, Amen First Samuel 21 and verse 10 the Bible says And David arose So this is what's happening in his life And fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul have slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. This is quite a picture that the Scripture is portraying for us. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need need of a mad man, men, Have ye brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into mine house? I want to give a little clarity here tonight. The heading said that is whenever he changed his behavior uh, before Abimelech. But in the story that you and I read, he was changing his behavior before Achish. And so there is no discrepancy uh, between the heading and what the Bible reads in the Scripture just to give us clarity, the the Philistine king or the king of the Philistines is called by name here Akesh in 1 Samuel uh, chapter number 21. But the title that they gave all their Philistine kings was Abimelech. Abimelech is really not a name. It is a title in these type of scenarios. So the king over the Philistines was known as Abimelech, just how the king over the Egyptians was known as a Pharaoh. And just as the king over the Amalekites was known as Agag. It's just a title. It's not necessarily a name. It can be a name in other episodes, but it's a title. And so we're we're very quickly, at least I was, I'm puzzled then by the words of the psalmist David in Psalms 34 and particularly verse number 11 because David is calling to the people that are around him and he's basically saying, come here and let's gather together. Come 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 and, and circle around about me and, and hearken to me, David is saying. And he's saying, and I will teach you about the fear of the Lord. I will teach you about the fear of the Lord. You're going to be able to learn from me how to fear the Lord. But whenever I understand the birthplace of his psalm, be in 1 Samuel chapter 21. It is during the time that David David is doing anything but fearing the Lord. As a matter of fact, he's driven to Gath because he is afraid of the man Saul. The Bible even bears witness in what I read to you in 1 Samuel 21 that he was afraid or because he feared Saul, he went to Gath. The Bible said that he was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath, that here he is, he's going to feign himself as a madman before him. And so I'm puzzled here. David, birth from all this, you're saying, hey, come and get around. Let me teach you how to fear the Lord. But that was birth from a time that you clearly was not fearing the Lord, but you were fearing men. And you were fearing Saul, and you were fearing the, the, the king of And so, I'm asking myself the question, and those people maybe at the time are the same. How in the world can I validate listening to this person, David, on a subject that he didn't hold himself during the time that this was birthed, that this came forth? I mean, David had been in situations where his fear and his reverence could go a few different directions, He had times he could fear the Lord or he could be fearful of men. He was set in situations at times it could go either way. And he could have feared those that were intimidating him or he could have feared God. But in several of the instances uh, of the Scripture in the Old Testament, I understand that David chose rather to fear what he deemed the higher power, which wasn't always God in those circumstances. Sometimes the higher power was man. And his authority and what that man had the ability to do or the pressure that he was capable of adding to the life of David. And, and so that this that puzzles me if I just read the psalm in this sense. And so I read even the Old Testament scripture. David had been at different episodes in his life, a man had been at different episodes, a man who had feared the Lord. Because I understand in scripture that David, David was not very fearful of man whenever he stood in the valley of Elah with Goliath. He wasn't fearing this man. But from reading the scripture, that happened before 1 Samuel 21. So with that, I understand David then no sooner leaves the battleground in Elah, all right, where he defeated Goliath, who was from Gath, until now he's fleeing from the very presence of Saul, and he is afraid. Now consider, let's, I mean, all things are not always equal. Consider Goliath, if you will, for a moment. The Bible portrays him as six cubits and a span in height. Amen. By all, by all uh, 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 reason, taking a cubit as 18 inches, you can take it as 21. There's different measurements, but usually the middle of the road is 18 inches, and a span is about half that, nine inches. So Goliath is a nine-foot, nine-inch man. Honey, if you want to choose a time to be afraid... Be afraid when there's a nine-foot, nine-inch man standing in front of you. And to add insult to injury, the Bible describes Goliath in 1 Samuel 17 that he had a coat of armor that was 5,000 shekels of brass. Now, in common language for you and I, that equates to about a 125-pound coat of armor. Yeah, whoa! Furthermore, the Bible speaks that he has a spear And that the head of the spear, the Bible says, was 600 shekels of iron. Now, for us, that equates to about a 15-pound spearhead. It's like doing the shot putt. You know, he, he had a heavy head on the end of that stick of a spear. And the Bible portrays that he had a helmet of brass and that he had graves, if you will, uh, greaves, if you will, of brass on his legs which was just a covering from his knee down and that he had a target or a small shield of brass between his shoulders. doesn't give us the weight of them. This man is weighted down. He's nine feet, nine inches tall and the Bible portrays this is David's attitude towards such a man. This is what the Bible says. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel seventeen thirty two. This is what David says concerning this man. Let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Seriously? A weaver being 15 pounds. I mean, just about like having a sack of potatoes on the end of a stick. David's estimation of this man, he says in 1 Samuel 17, 37, The Lord that delivereth me out of the paw of the lion and of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. I don't sense no fear there. I don't sense no intimidation there. He spoke again. He says, I come to thee, Goliath, in the name of the Lord of hosts. Everybody else is cowering in trenches and out here comes David. David did not fear Goliath, this monstrosity, if you will, of a man. And he did not fear any of his tactics because David's confidence was in the Lord his God his reverence and his fear was directed toward the Lord his God man that just seems wow you would think David would wrote Psalms 34 after his encounter with Goliath you'd think based upon that type of thing he would be able to waltz forth and say kids come on get around and let me teach you about the fear of the Lord but that's not when that occurred someone say amen it's not when it occurred And so as David's popularity gets a little larger and his popularity surpasses the popularity of Saul and the women start singing whenever David and Saul come in from war that that Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul begins to have a little envy and strife go on in his heart and he sees David more as a threat and a rival than he does an asset to him. Something begins to happen. Saul then sets it up and conspires to kill David. And Saul's response to David was absolutely wrong. To have that envy, to have that jealousy arise in his heart. But not only was Saul's response to David wrong, but David's way of dealing with the danger that Saul presented wasn't correct as well. Because David started dealing with danger in a deceptive, everybody say deceptive, in a deceptive way. Before Goliath in the valley, David goes out there and he hits it head on, having with him the fear of the Lord. But now Saul rears his head, wishing to take David's life, and now he flees away from the man Saul, amen, with the fear of man being his companion. Listen at this, if you will. If you consider the events from the time of Goliath in the valley of Elah, to 1 Samuel 21 where David went to Gath. We're going to see that David has now a bad habit of dealing with difficulty by fearing the difficulty more than fearing God. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 19... And I'm not going to read the scripture. I could do a lot of reading the scripture if we desire to tonight, but I'm just going to try to hit the tops of the trees for you. But in 1 Samuel 19, verses 12 through 17, we read a story here where Saul has set up a plot to assassinate uh, David, to take David's life. And whenever he and his wife at that time, Michael gets word of this, Michael has this idea Amen. And we really don't know in reality if it's just her idea or if David had any advisement in how to go forward. It doesn't say that he did and it doesn't say necessarily that he didn't. So we don't know what the role truly was that he played in this. But we do know that whenever they were going to come to the room where David and and Michael was, that the Bible says that she let him down from a window and lowered him down so that he could escape and that she put in their bed a, a image in the bed and covered it up so it looked like a body was in the bed you know it's something that kids do today with pillows the body was in the bed and they got some goat's hair and put it where his bolster or his head would be so they would think someone was in bed and Michael said well he's sick he can't come down so they pause and Saul finally says you just go up there in the room and take care of business kill him take care of this man and so whenever they go in they go in to find him but he is not there and so here is a threat Saul being a threat amen the man that he is with whatever authority that he is and David though just goes along with the whole activity of getting away by going down going down from a window amen allowing his wife to deceive however she may that he was in the bed rather than confronting it with the fear of God he let the fear of man get the best of him in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse number 4 verses 4 through 7 The Bible speaks to us that David hides himself. He speaks to Jonathan. He's supposed to be a part of the royal court of the king, King Saul, that is. And he tells Jonathan, he says, Jonathan, there's a new moon coming. And the new moon means that we all should be at the king's table to eat and take take sustenance at his table to celebrate the feast of the new moon. He says, but here's what I'd really like to do. I'd like to go hide out for a while because I know that he's mad at me. I know he'd like to take my life. And I want to go hide out for three days. And pre-adventure, he asks you, where is David? He says, you tell him, David's setting this one up now. You tell him that I am went away to Bethlehem to where my family is uh, for a yearly sacrifice and I'm going to be gone for a little while. Well, sure enough, it was the time of the new moon. Everybody should be around the king's table. David's seat is empty. Saul asks the question, Where's David? Jonathan replies, He's in Bethlehem with his family. What's David doing? He's allowing the fear of man again to cause him to respond in a deceptive way, almost in a lying type manner, in what's going on in his life. That's not the only time. In 1 Samuel 21, verses 1 through 11, the Bible speaks of a time that David fled to Nab. And there he lied to the priest, whose name actually was uh, 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 Abimelech. Okay, (laughs) this is the actual name here. He lied to the priest Abimelech as to why he was there by himself. Abimelech says, I'm a little nervous. You're here by yourself. What's going on? He says, well, I'm here by myself because I'm on king's business. Now that was forever a bowed He's running away from the king. I'm on king's business and the king's business requires haste and and, and it's very secretive though. You can't let anybody know about this that I'm on the king's business. This requires haste. And, And by the way, if you happen to have any provision I could have, that'd be great because I'm really in a hurry. And if you happen to have any weapon, that'd be great because I'm in a hurry. So here's David again. Because of his fear of man, he is constantly making these decisions to be deceptive and very lying and and, and deceiving all along when if he had just harnessed what he had in the valley of Elah, the fear of God things may not be as things are presently going in David's life in 1 Samuel 21 then we have our historical setting that I already read to you he flees to Gath he appears as though he's joined with the forces of the enemies of Israel the Philistines he's joining their enemies amen and the Bible plainly says he did this because he feared Saul. He feigns himself as though he's insane, scrabbling on the gates, letting spittle spit, drip down in his beard from his mouth because he feared Achish. And as a background to Psalm 34, we know David feared Saul and was sore afraid of the king of Achish, the king of Gath, and yet he's rallying the people together. Come, Unto me, and let me teach you the fear of the Lord. Someone say amen. So he enters the contrast. Again, he enters the valley of Elah with the fear and with the name of the Lord. But he enters Gath, Goliath's hometown, with Goliath's sword, the Bible tells us, a weapon, if you will, to perhaps aid him and they're so contrasting pictures because when he had the fear of the Lord it did not require anything in reality but the Lord though he had his shepherd's bag and his few small stones but whenever you shift from the fear of the Lord to the fear of men you search for other things to aid you and to acquire And though they may be some very impressive tools, like the the, the sword of Goliath, the Bible said there's none like it. Though they may be some very impressive tools, they're still not good enough for the moment in your eyes because you have this profound fear of man in your eyes. Know what the Bible says again, Sister McGee in 1 Samuel 21 and verse 11, and the servants of Achish said unto him, is not this David the king of the land? did they not sing one to another and him dances saying Saul slain his thousands and David his ten thousands and David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish the king of Gath David enters Gath with Goliath's sword and that there tells me he's not the sharpest pencil in the box number one number one he has Goliath's sword folks Goliath's spear is a normal man's spear Goliath's armor isn't a normal man's armor. It's sufficient to say that his sword is just not a normal man's sword. And as a result of it, it's probably distinctly different from any other person's sword. It's probably well known, that that's Goliath's sword. And David's entering to Gath with Goliath's sword. Number two, he is the one who killed Goliath. And Gath was Goliath's hometown. Not the sharpest pencil in the box. And so the people of the land of Gath recognize David. And they have their question. Look at their their question. Amen. Look at their question. Is this the one? Is this the king? Is this the one that they say David saw his thousands? David, his ten thousands? Is this the one? And look what the Bible says, David. David took their words, that phrase, and he laid them up in his heart. Why? Because they are those words Are words that are describing a man that had the fear of the Lord and he was acting in a contrary way right now than what he was back then? Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how conveniently we remember or forget certain things so that they'll work for us for the moment? Huh? David says I'm going to lay that aside right now because that's descriptive of a man that's fearful of the Lord and right now I'm not acting in tandem with that and so we'll just dismiss that. And so there's, it's amazing to me sometimes the things that we'll remember that will help what we're wanting to do or the things that we'll forget to help what we want to do because they work for us in the moment. And so he lays them aside and he lays them aside so that he could get back to fear in man so he could get back to fear in Akash. amen. He's presently, he, he, he's saying, he said, I feared the Lord in that moment, but I'm gonna dismiss that right now because leading up to now, I've been a man that's been fearing man and not the Lord. And so in light of Psalms 34, I asked the question. In Psalms 34, in light of this, David starts out the Psalm as praising God, giving glory to God, but I'm asking us today, in light of this, I'm just wanting you to think. I know that's hard on a Wednesday night, but he's just, I'm asking you, should God be praised because David pretended madness and escaped danger? Should David really be teaching others on the basis of his behavior that happened in 1 Samuel 21 that he feigned himself mad and he was able to escape a place that he went to himself? Folks, this is one of those episodes, and I told you this was a journey tonight. We're back to Wednesday night. This is one of those episodes where the teacher at another time has been a student. And now through the lessons they learned as a student desires to become the teacher. David wants to teach others what he learned from his own experience although they were not positive although they were not owed to being sure on what he was about to teach, but because he had made a mistake in that episode. He says, I'm gonna stand upon the grounds of my mistake and with a sure word be able to teach you what it means to fear the Lord because I can tell you the day that I didn't and the results and the consequences that happened from not fearing the Lord, I can stand on that with a plethora of experience and tell you now that you should and ought to fear the Lord. Well, that is bizarre. It's not any more bizarre than in our day and our age learning from people who have made their mistakes. It's similar in David's situation. Another failure that David had in his life, another failure that David had in his life was with Bathsheba that most if not all of us are very familiar with. And the psalm that correlates with that is Psalms 51 that we like to quote. And we have songs, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Right? We have these songs that we sing. Well, Psalms 51 correlates with that time in his life. And if you remember Psalms 51, it starts out with David crying out to God for forgiveness. He's crying out to God with repentance. He's crying out to the Lord, God cleanse me, wash me. He's crying out to God, God I'm requesting some restoration, restore my soul. And after he's asked forgiveness and after he's repented and after he's talked about cleansing and the restoring of his soul, verse number 13 comes along in psalms 51 and he says david says then will i teach then will i teach why because i've been through that i made the mistake I bought the t-shirt. I know the calamity that's all associated with that. And based upon all of the negative and all of my mistakes, I'm standing up on that right now. Allowing that to be my platform and my pulpit to teach who transgressors, people, they're going down the very same road, the very same avenue and telling them, hey, 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 don't do it. It is important for us to learn from other people's mistakes. I know it don't always happen. Some of us have heads maybe like Goliath's spear. They're 15 pounds and very thick. But what I'm trying to implore us tonight is please don't walk that road. Learn from other people. That's what David was doing. He was wanting to somehow give back to, to, to the people and generations coming after him. What did he say? I, I have enough scars and I have enough woundings of that road that I walk that I can show you right now for me and you. Don't you get your own scars. I got enough of my own. Learn from where I've been. Learn from what I've done. Don't fear God. That don't Fear rather man, that never turns out well. Fear God, fear God, and you will never, never, never fail. Someone say amen. It's no different than Peter. Apostle Peter had a heart for God. Absolutely. But he abandoned the Lord. He abandoned Christ, perhaps whenever he needed him the most, during the trials that led up to his crucifixion. Peter would eventually become a very great leader in the early church. He would give the message on the day of Pentecost. He would answer the question of men and brethren, what shall we do? But he wouldn't do any of that. He wouldn't do none of that teaching without the lessons of his own failure that he had learned from, and God knew that. The Bible says in Luke 22 and verse 31, The Lord knowing this spoke to Peter who was called oftentimes also Simon. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when, everybody say when. When thou art converted. Strengthen the brethren. Let's break it down to baby food style for you. In other words, whenever you've learned your lesson, Go forth and teach somebody else. Let somebody learn by your mistakes. Let somebody learn by your mistakes. Sometimes we adopt the opinion, though, they can't teach us anything because they failed in the area they're trying to teach us or to advise us in. Well, in reality, we might be able to learn more than we think from someone who's already failed in the area that we're flirting with. Because they're too well aware of the traps. They're too well aware of the potential consequences of such a failure. In reality, I think some people that's failed in certain areas, and we could name some, but they are some of the greatest proponents for or against certain things because they've been there. We need to learn. I might should have just call this learn from other people's mistakes. I don't know. That's the reason why I threw both out there. If you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Everybody say learn. Learn. Come learn of me. I'll teach you. I'll teach you, David says. I'll teach you. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 6. Look at this now. There is is a looking over the shoulder back into the history of Israel, back in the Old Testament. And verse number 6 picks up and says, now these things were our examples. The Apostle Paul tells the Corinthian church, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. What are you saying, Paul? Learn from those who did the lusting, not to lust in your generation. He says, neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. Learn. From their mistakes as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. He said neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Paul is taking some dear time in a letter that he's writing to a Corinthian church in the New Testament, and you know what he's really trying to do? He's trying to save him some headache and heartache. He's trying to save them some pain and woes. He's trying to allow the New Testament church to be able to go a little bit more smoother than those of the Old Testament by simply telling them something very simple. Learn from the mistakes that those before you and generations before you made. Don't walk the same road that they walk. Don't get ensnared by the same traps. Hey, if it happened to them it can just as easily happen to you and he tells them that here in a little bit. Take heed lest you think you stand, lest you fall. He said, don't don't go, go down that road. If it got them, it will got you. If it was wrong for them, it's wrong for you. If it was right for them, it's right for you. Fear the Lord. Don't fear man. Fear the Lord. Don't fear man. What are you saying tonight, Pastor Miguel? I'm saying this. If it's right in the sight of God, it doesn't matter who it displeases. And if it's wrong in the sight of God, it doesn't matter who it pleases. You understand? If it's with the The Lord, and it's right. Who cares what everybody else says? If in the fear of the Lord it's wrong, it doesn't matter how many supporters and propagators of it. It does not matter. Doesn't matter. He said then in verse. He said there in verse eleven. Then now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition or our teaching. Our instruction upon, the whom, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Paul says, all of this happened. He's telling us a reason why some of these things happen, So that we would learn from them. So they could be taught and we could learn. and So that we could be instructed and we could learn from them. Amen. And so somewhere, David's able to get... That's Psalms 34 from 1 Samuel 21. Evidently, because somewhere he learned his lesson and now he wishes to teach that lesson to others. Look at 1 Samuel 21 and verse 14 again. The Bible said, Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see the man is mad, wherefore then have ye brought him to me? In that question, it appears from this question that somewhere along the way, Achish's servants or his men had brought David unto Achish. He's scrabbling on the wall and drooling out his mouth. And he's saying, man, why have you, why have you brought him to me? So somewhere along the way, they had, brought, they had brought David unto him. What I'm trying to do here tonight is put together a puzzle of Scripture, okay? If you'll turn with me to Psalms 56. This is where I believe that David learned his lesson. This is the story of his lesson being learned. If you look at the superscript, the heading, one more time before this psalm, it says to the chief musician, upon Jonath Elam Reko Kim, Mictam of David. This is where I want to get to. When the Philistines took him in Gath. Now David had two times that he was in Gath. This is one, and there's another time as well. In the other time, there is nothing in the story in the book of Samuel where the Philistines ever took him. But from what I just read to you in 1 Samuel 21, it appears somewhere along the way they had taken him to Achish the king himself because he asked, Wherefore then have you brought him to me? I believe tonight that whenever they took David, that there were some meditations that started to take place on David's heart. And Psalms 56 was the result of that apprehension. Psalms 56 was the result of them taking him actually to the king of Gath. And hear what David says in a few of these verses of Psalms 56. Consider the mindset of David in this moment that these men, these, men's, these Philistines are taking him there in Gath. Consider verse number 3 of Psalms 56. David says, What time I am afraid I will trust in thee who he's talking to the Lord. He says in verse 4, "In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me." In verse 9, he says, "When I cry unto thee, God, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know." for God is for me. What are you thinking of? Man, I know how things happened back at Elah before I started trusting and fearing rather than man. In 10, he says, in God will I praise his word and the Lord will I praise his word. Verse 11, in God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. What happens in that moment of being apprehended and actually taken to the king of the? David comes to a realization. There's a light bulb that comes on inside of David's head. And that is that the fear of man had him on a constant run. Always from here to there to there. The fear of man had David behaving in ways that David would not normally behave because he was afraid. He would not normally have behaved that way, but because of the fear of man, he is. He's running places he would not have went, and he's behaving ways he would not have behaved. And he realizes that if he has the fear of the Lord, if he will trust in God, then mere man, it doesn't matter if he's a king, it doesn't matter if he's a, a, a priest of a pagan god, it doesn't matter if he has all the power and the authority of hell, that if he puts his fear in the Lord then mere man cannot do anything as long as God is his defense it's in that moment that he understood why I've been running as long as I've been running why I've been behaving outside of the norm I shouldn't be behaving like this why am I doing because I lost my fear of the Lord honey if you lose your fear of the Lord you'll act in ways you shouldn't act and you'll go places you don't go but if you keep that intact and you allow God to be your defense it doesn't matter if it comes hell or high water you can be confident because of the Lord your God in whom you trust be confident here's a trap though sometimes we fall in I got like four minutes I said it for 45 I got like four minutes I'm, we can do it we can if I say it with confidence you know we can if I'm kind of like well we might then you better be afraid No need to, though, fall into the trap of Abraham. Abraham, in Genesis 12, went down in Egypt, only told Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister instead of his wife. Somewhat deception. Whenever he goes to Gera, he tells someone there, Abimelech, in Genesis 20, That again, that Sarah is his sister instead of his wife. Again, somewhat of a deception. The Bible plainly tells us in Genesis 20 the reason why he did it. And I believe he did this for the same measure in in Egypt to Pharaoh. He did it because he assumed the fear of God or the reverence of God was not in those places. In other words, he did it because he felt like the Egyptians and the people of Gera did not fear the Lord. And he's thinking if these people have no sensitivity to God or who he is, then they're not going to have no respect for us and who we are. Look at it now. Genesis 20, verse 11. And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place. They will slay me for my wife's sake. I just say this. So in each scenario, Abraham was afraid of the people. And what might happen so he acted out of fear of man and said she's my sister rather than my wife listen to me very clearly Abraham was concerned about their fear of God when he should have been concerned about his fear of God because there'll be places that we walk in this life That we'll be surrounded by people That have no fear for the Lord But that needs not be the troubling factor As much as where your fear stands with Him Where your fear stands with the Lord And if you'll stand with me I'll come to a close So we need to fear the Lord Rather than man And we also need to learn from people's mistakes Alfred Shinwood said it like this And I'll close with this tonight I quote He says Learn all you can from the mistakes of others. You won't have time to make them all yourself. <laughs> I hope not. Learn from the mistakes of others. Can we bow our heads in this place with nation you just play softly, and I'm just going to pray here tonight. If you want to come and pray, that's excellent, and that as well, but if not, I understand. But God, I pray here this evening, Lord, that you could somehow instil within our hearts. God in our minds Lord a fear a reverence Lord Jesus for you God standing with you not alone but with you God there is nothing there is nothing God that can harm or nothing that can impose intimidation upon our lives but God if we fall under the umbrella of fearing man being intimidated by man it will cause us to go here and there Will cause us oh Lord Jesus to behave in ways That are unseemly and that are not proper And God not normally the way that we would behave God we got to have a revered A revered fear of the Lord in our life God to truly prosper we'll, With that we can go into the valleys of Elah And we can take down men That are bigger than the norm And greater and stronger than the norm We have the fear of the Lord God I pray oh God help us to set around the feet of David God and others, Lord, have went before us generations after generation that have made their mistakes, their mix-ups, bad choices, wrong decisions. Help us, God, to hear their voice speaking to our generation and help us, God, to learn from them. God, please, Lord, help us to get to a place that we don't have to walk the same path. We don't have to stub the same toe at the same spot. God, help us, Lord, to really truly take it to heart, God, that we could learn from their mistakes. God, we're not learning from them because they've not made any. We're learning because they have made some and they just want to somehow clear the path in our minds and our hearts, God, for our future. God, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't, I don't believe, Lord Jesus, that, well, you know what, everybody should just have to climb the same old ladder and everybody should... No, God, if, if we can go a little further by not going through some of the same bad decisions and mistakes that previous generations did. God will be better off as a church, we will be better off as individuals. Perhaps we'll cover some new territory and new ground that we've not yet reached if we'll learn just to learn from other people's mistakes. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you